Welcome again to The Compass, the sermon-based podcast ministry of Calvary Baptist Church of Fayetteville, Arkansas. We're thrilled that you've chosen to download and listen as we continue our journey through God's Word. Now, if you're looking for a church home, a place that you can connect with others and help build something better, let me encourage you to visit with us at Calvary Baptist Church. We're located at 1410 North Porter Road in Fayetteville, Arkansas. You can find out more information at calvaryfedville.com or call us at 479-442-4634. Now on today's podcast, I have the privilege of sharing a message about prayer as we look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15. Let's listen together. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15. Well, the last two and a half years have introduced many of us to new hobbies habits, or maybe even TV shows. In an effort to combat the effects of the pandemic months and of stress eating, I started riding bikes with my brother and some buddies back in December of 2021. Now we ride two to three times each week, and we continue the journey back towards better health. It's going to take some dietary changes as well for me to get there, but it's a lot of fun. Again, during these last two and a half years, a lot of things have been different. A lot of things have changed. Maybe you've picked up a TV show. I know the one thing that I've done besides starting to ride bikes is that I've watched a lot of Food Network. Maybe you have your own guilty pleasure show, but for me, I love cooking shows and cooking competition shows. Uh, The plus is that I've learned a few things along the way, and so now I'm a better cook. And so when my son was at home lying in the the bed we had set up in our living room while we were taking care of him, I'd, I'd cook him and then his then-girlfriend, then-fiancé, now-wife, uh, supper, and enjoy all those things together with some things that I've learned. But I haven't stopped watching because the pandemic is more in our rearview mirror now. I've continued to watch barbecue shows and cooking shows and baking shows. Right now I'm watching a show called Barbecue USA hosted by Michael Simon. The premise is pretty simple. Those travels to different barbecue competitions around the country and focuses on five to six teams over the course of a competition weekend and then shows how they place. Again, not rocket science, but it's fun to watch as you see people with different personalities, different things. Um, It's fun to see how each team approaches the problem of smoking and presenting their pork, their chicken, their ribs, and their brisket. Ultimately, each team has a process and a technique that they hope will bring them a top 10 finish in each of the major categories and possibly even gain them the title of grand champion or reserve champion. I already sound like I know more about this than I should, right? Okay. I love barbecue. You may have eaten at Wright's once or twice. You may have eaten at Dickie's or Penguin Ed's or the list goes on of barbecue places around here and other spots. Maybe Kansas City, you've been to Q39 or or Casey Joes. But as I've watched these, many of those teams will show up with their secret ingredient that will hope to set them apart. They may inject their meat with juice or have some other secret ingredient that they hope will bring them success for the weekend. And only time will tell. As you go through the episode and you're watching things happen, they start calling them out and it's all tense and drama-filled as, as they announce. And then some of those do very well and then some Well, they need to go back to the drawing board and find what they need. In our lives, 
in the life of the church, you know, we want the same thing. We want to experience success in God's eyes. We want to know what it is to experience that real success. And ultimately, that looks different than what the world views as success. It's not a top 10 finish in a barbecue uh, competition. It is not necessarily having the most money or the most toys and the biggest house. That's not success in God's eyes. Success in God's eyes has a lot more to do with faithfulness. The God-defined success is what we're looking for in both of our churches and our families. We label our fifth Sunday as our family Sunday. It's a time when everyone comes together and worships. And my hope and my prayer is that this secret ingredient is a part of your life, a part of your family's life, and most definitely a part of our church's life. So how do we find that success? How do we, what is that secret ingredient? It's a subject of prayer. And you probably already figured that out by looking at the passage that we're going to look at today. Prayer is one of the most important things in our lives that we aren't doing on a consistent basis. So let's look in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15. Let's go ahead and stand for the reading of God's Word. Again, many of you have maybe even memorized verses 9 through 13 as you prayed with different groups. I remember back in high school, our band, before we would march out on the field, our band director wouldn't lead us through this, but students, different students, we'd recite this together as our way of praying together. Um, but it's not the Lord's Prayer. It's a model prayer for us to look at. Beginning in verse 5 of chapter 6, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you that they've received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not head up or heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither Will your, fa your Father forgive your trespasses? This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for uh, the example that we find here, the teaching that we find from Jesus, and we just ask that you help us to embrace prayer, to make it a part of our life so that we can find all that we need in you. Father, we give you the praise today, and it's in your Son's name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I want us to look in really three different areas this morning. This is not new information. There are times when we'll stand up in the pulpit and when Pastor Kirk will come up here, he'll share an insight and go, wow. I mean, I've had that experience as I've sat there and listened to him. This is not new information. This is information that should be part of our lives as believers. It should be a part of us as we have grown in our faith. And if you've been a believer for five weeks or 50 years, prayer should be just a staple 
that's in there. But for many of us, this is the time we pray. We come together, and I'll pray during the service, or Pastor Kirk will pray, David will lead us in prayer, um, and that may be it. Maybe you've gone to Sunday school, and your Sunday school teacher or somebody in the class will pray, but that's it. You're not praying at any other point in the week. And God wants us to realize that prayer is an important part of every aspect. It is that secret for our success in God's eyes. And why is it so important? Well, let's look at the meaning of prayer. You know, over the last few years, I've spent a great deal of time and energy looking at what makes churches healthy and full of life. I've listened to hundreds of podcasts, watched webinars, read countless books in pursuit of that very information. Many are looking for that one thing that can bring about change, that can bring about renewal. And they say, well, if we just do this, if we hire a young pastor, or if we uh, put this program into place, they're looking for what they refer to as a silver bullet that will bring about change in their church and bring about that 180-degree turn, and everything will be okay. They're asking the question, what is that one thing that they can do or implement to make it all happen? What I've realized, what I've come to know, is that there are no silver bullets. In church revitalization or renewal, you are not going to find that one thing that's going to make a difference. However, you will not find a growing, vibrant, healthy church that does not have a meaningful prayer life. There are all sorts of things out there, surveys that we could take, programs that we can put into place, but I believe that prayer is that secret ingredient for God's success in our church, in our families, in our world. We need to be a prayerful people, especially here at Calvary. Charles Spurgeon says this, we shall never see much change for the better in our churches in general till the prayer meeting occupies a higher place in the esteem of Christians. We will often look at prayer and prayer times of prayer in our churches as, well, we'll get, get through those. We're going to work through a list and be done with it so that we can get to the songs or we can get to the worship or we can get to the preaching, the teaching, we need to realize that prayer is of high regard to God. It is important. Why is it important? Well, I've got three things that I've got listed, but we'll see that the last one is the most important. Prayer is communication with God. We often think about the Bible as being the way that God talks to us. He shares with us what we need to do, who we need to be, so we learn God's Word so that we can understand His message to us. Prayer is the way that we communicate with God. We can share our heart. We can share just our mind. We don't have to verbally say anything. We can simply communicate that in our thought process, and God hears our thoughts and hears our process. Now, I like to pray out loud because it keeps me focused. It just does. It helps in that time. When I'm praying with others, and whether it's with uh, Pastor Kirk, or with some of you, I like to pray out loud. I know that one of the things that I loved um, that uh, my previous pastor did so well was our staff meetings. We weren't any bigger than Calvary, but we had part-time pastors that were a part of that. And so we'd meet, and there were usually five of us total, including 
uh, Miss Elaine, our secretary, and we would go around and we would pray over this big long list. But it was a matter of praying for each one of these things in a sentence prayer. Just a simple sentence about each thing as you worked. But it was out loud. It kept our hearts and mind focused, and we were turning to God. It was a way for us to communicate God to God. And then to bring about the second thing, that prayer is an expression of our need. Not just our need alone, but of the need of family members, of friends, of our church. Prayer is that. It's a way for us to communicate with God. But it is also an expression of those things that are on our heart that, that we definitely need. You know, I, I've often struggled with this over the course of my life deciding what those things are that I need and those things that I want. You know, we need clothes, we need food, we need shelter. Then it gets a little fuzzy once you get past those things, of things that you really need versus the things that would be just awesome in our lives. You know, but as I studied this week, I was challenged by this third statement. Ultimately, prayer is worship an exaltation of the Father. See, it doesn't matter who is praying when you look at it this way. Every need, every concern, and every pray or praise all begin with God or my Heavenly Father. Or, and it doesn't matter who is praying. It is all focused on God. He is the great provider in every situation. And even when we are frustrated with how God has allowed things to happen in this world, it still begins with, God, I'm so mad. But it is putting him in his proper place. He is the one we're worshiping in these moments. When we're praying for a sick family member, that's worship. God, heal my son from this disease he has. When I've prayed, some of you may have prayed something similar for a family member. When we pray for financial help, God, help us with these medical bills. Help us with the travel that's involved with all these different things. Again, it's worship because it puts God in that right place of God is the provider. When we pray for the advancement of the kingdom through our church, God, bless our church. God, help us to love on our neighbors in our neighborhood. Again, it is worship because we're looking to God to be the one to provide those things. When we pray for our missionaries, on the scroller today, you may have seen our missionaries from the Middle East. You may have seen some of our local mission work. When we pray for them, we're praying, and again, saying God and it's worship. When we're thanking God for our food, at lunchtime. Again, it's worship. Every time we come to this altar, it is an act of worship. It is maybe an act of supplication as well, but it starts with worship. Knowing that God is in control, that God is the great provider for all of these things. So why is prayer important? What is the meaning behind prayer? Well, it's worship. And I had never really thought of it in those terms. I'd known it was important. I knew it was a matter of supplication, of of recognizing that God was in control, all of those things. 
But to think about every time that someone prays, it's an act of worship. There's great truth behind that. Let's look at our, our second area today. We want to look at the motive of prayer. As you look at Matthew 6, verses 5 through 8, we see that um, not everyone's motives are right and pure as they kneel before the Father. There it says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you that they have their, received their reward. And when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And then He goes on to pray like this, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. What motivates your prayer life? Is it the great needs that are in your life? It is, is it the recognition that God is the only one who provides those things? Hopefully that's the case. What we find in these situations are really two different people. You've got those that are the religious hypocrites, that they pray loudly, they pray where everyone can see them, so that everyone will think of them as spiritual that they will know that they are the great and holy people that are involved in this congregation. Now, of course, this is talking about the synagogue. It wasn't talking specifically about the church. But if you think back through your life and your history, you know people like that. Unfortunately, that have been called on to pray, and it becomes about them. It's important that we're properly motivated to pray. That these people... As they pray and they share, they've received their reward. That's what Jesus says. You go on, and, and it also mentions the Gentiles, and, and they're praying in words simply so that they can be heard by their God. And that's the difference between these two, two groups, so the hypocrites and the Gentiles. The Gentiles are saying as much as they can so that they can be heard. We've seen one of the great things about Things like National Geographic, TV, and things like that is you have an understanding of some different religions around the world. And I've seen those where they have taken and beaten themselves as they called out to their God. They use loud voices. They cry out. We find examples in the Old Testament. But none of those things matter because those gods are not real. We serve the one true holy God, and we go to him as believers in Christ because we know he provides. He's done the first thing. He's given us Jesus Christ so that we could have a relationship with him. And all the extra stuff in life. I think about the home I have, uh, the clothes that I have. I think about the food that he provides with, the jobs that he's given us. I think about how much God has blessed, and I want to just say thank you to him. But for those that stand on the street corner, those that use all the words, they've gotten their reward. But God calls us to pray privately, to be moved to prayer for the right reasons in the right way. Now, does that mean we shouldn't pray in a, as we worship together? No, not at all. We should pray together because God calls us to do that. 
as we read at the very beginning of our service in Acts chapter 2, that they gathered together and they prayed and they, they shared those things with God. The right motive for prayer is from a right heart, one that knows Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Well, let's go ahead and look at this third area. It's one that we're familiar with. It's one that we have utilized over these last two and a half years. We have had our digital prayer times on our Facebook group. Some of you have been able to join us, others have not, but we have spent time on the second Sunday evening of each month. Now, we've transitioned that to something a little different now, but all during that time, we were spending time praying together. Many of those weeks, I would ask our shepherd leaders and some others to join us, and we would use different formulas. Pastor Kirk has used this even before we went to those digital formats. We're familiar with them. The Acts prayer, which is adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. It's just a form that you can work through as you say, well, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to pray. When we look at that one, adoration is a matter of praising God for who he is. We confess our sins. We thank God for how he's worked, and then we lift those things to him that we are concerned about. That's what supplication is. Well, after that, we were exposed to ACSS, which was by Paul David Tripp as we read through a, a Lent uh, a devotional guide for those 40 days leading up to Lent a couple of years back. And it was very similar. And this might work best for you, but adoration, again, thanking God for our praising God for who he is, confession. But then there was the issue of submission and then supplication, saying, God, whatever you want, I say yes to it before I even know exactly what it is. But the one we've been using recently is found in this passage of Scripture. It's grounded here as we look in Matthew chapter 6. You can also find it in Luke, I believe, 11 uh, something very similar, but this is the idea of what I want us to look at today. I want you to make this a part of your life. It's an easy format to follow. If you say, well, I don't know how to pray, I don't know what I should pray, step through these verses together. It's simply pray. Praise, repent, ask, and yield. It's not complicated, although sometimes it can feel complicated to pray and to to talk to God. But what we find are here in these verses. The first is, is praise. And when we look at verses 9 and 10 there, it says, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As we look at this verse, we see a, a, a recognition of who God is. He is our Father in heaven. He is God, and hallowed be his name. That means he's holy, that he is worthy of praise. He is worthy of adoration. If we turn back to the Old Testament, there are a lot of places we can look in the book of Psalms uh, to understand and to praise God. I'm always drawn to Psalm 100. There the Bible says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. 
Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to his name. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. When you're praying and praying uh, your portion of that prayer as praise, and you don't know what to say or how to express that, go to the book of Psalms. There are plenty of times where the psalmist writes a verse, a word of praise to God because they know that we would be seen this one day. That's an exciting thing. So we want to praise God, thank Him for who He is. Then we want to repent. Now, no one likes to talk about this area, and I'll just be honest there. That repent, that confess. We don't like to admit that we're wrong, that we're sinful people, but we are. Verse 12, it says, And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. It is important that we understand we are in need of salvation. We are in need of what God and God alone can provide. In 1 John 1, 9, it says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. In verse 10. It's important for us to understand this idea of repent. And so as we pray this portion, we're praying for God to forgive us. We're praying for his help to follow his will and what he wants to do in our lives and what we need to be doing. Then there's the A for ask. We find in verse uh, 11 of chapter 6 of what we've been looking through, give us this day our daily bread. This idea of bringing our supplications, our needs, our cares, our concerns to our Father. As we look over to Philippians 4, verses 6 and I believe 7, The Bible says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. As we ask God for those things that we need, we ask Him to work in people's lives. When we see those things, God is going to provide peace. When we give that care over to Him, he provides peace in our life. So we need to praise, we need to repent, we need to ask, and then we need to yield. In verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We could also go back to verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This idea that God is in control. There's a passage of scripture, I remember hearing it uh, from someone back in my senior year in high school. And the Central Baptist College singers came, and Stephen Carroll shared a verse. I believe it was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. And just remember that. If you know Stephen Carroll, I'd ask that you pray for him. He made an announcement online, a friend of ours, a friend of theirs. And um, he's, 
he's battling cancer now, and so you be praying for him. But again, this idea of prayer, this idea of yielding, this idea of putting your yes on the table and then letting God put it on the map. It's a phrase my buddy Chris Vines uses, his pastor uses it, I've heard it other places as well. But what we want to understand is that we're going to surrender our needs, our cares, our concerns to God, and then we're going to say yes to whatever He wants to do in our lives. It's important that we pray. So what is the secret ingredient for success in the church? That secret ingredient for our lives individually, it is prayer, as we hope to be the the families that God wants us to be, as we hope to be the church that God wants us to be, it is prayer. We must become a people consumed by a need to pray about everything. In those moments, we acknowledge God and we lift him up. So what do we do? How do we make those changes? We know that we're supposed to pray. What are some things that can help bring that about? In our life, I want to give you four practical means for powerful prayer. The first is this keep an ongoing prayer list. One of the greatest things about these crazy things that we carry around all the time is the notes app. You can simply put a list and label it prayer list and then start recording those prayers as you hear them, as people speak them into your life, and you can say, hey, I'm going to be praying for this. I would encourage you to be sure and to put a date by that. And then go back to that regularly to see how God is working. And there are going to be things that you're going to pray for that are going to be done and over with. Maybe somebody will have a trip or maybe somebody will have a speaking engagement. They'll have an opportunity. I want you to be praying for the next student ministry workers retreat on September 17th. So put that on your list. But then on the 18th, You can ask me how it went, and then you can take it off your prayer list. That's how those things work. So a prayer list, you may want to be old school, and you may have a journal that you carry everywhere with you, or a written planner that you use, but the simple thing is keep an ongoing prayer list to watch how God is working here at Calvary and in your own family and with your friends and your coworkers. That's one of the great things about journaling and about lists like this is celebrating how God is working. Number two, pray in the moment. Too often someone will ask for prayer and we will simply nod our heads or say, sure, I'll do that. So when it's appropriate, pray immediately with that person. I think about the many times that I see people ask for prayer on Facebook it, it happens a lot more than it ever did in the beginning, but it happens. And so what do you see? You'll see a little emoji of the hands praying, or you'll see the little, he'll, they'll hit the little uh, caring reaction now with the little, little hugging thing that's going on with it. And those are, those are great. Those are encouraging to people. But it is important that when you see things like that, if you believe in the power of prayer, that you take a moment and you pray immediately. You lift that to the Father. And then you say, just pray. Let them know that. Or if someone is in one of your groups here, whether it's faithful men or faithful women, or if it's in one of your life groups and there's a great need and you're discussing it after or before some of these odd times, hey, let's pray for that. Let's go in here. Let's pray. 
don't put it off. And don't say, yeah, I'll do it, because what happens in those moments is we forget. So you need to write it down. You need to put it on that list, and you need to pray in that moment. And then third, find a time each day that works for you and pray. It doesn't have to be early in the morning or even late into the evening, but setting aside a time will create a pattern in your life. And I don't know what that looks like for you. I'm not a morning person. Never have been. I often hear about these people. Oh, Brother David over here, who used to get up at the crack of dawn to go to his job. I know that Justin has to get up very early as well. That's just not my area, okay? It never has been. I've gotten better, I'd say, uh, now with three dogs in the house, they wake you up. So, but finding that time, whether it's in the morning or in the evening or maybe it's those moments when you have time at lunch to pray and ask God to work. And the last one, the practical means, last practical means I want to share is to find someone to pray with. Perhaps it's your spouse or maybe it's a dear friend. Either way, find a prayer partner. God created us for community, and that extends to a prayer. There are two examples I want to share. About once a week, Miss Debbie comes up here to the church, and she and Miss Tony head down to the fellowship hall there. I think they may eat their lunch. I know that uh, Miss Tony will take her, the phone with, us, with her to, down, but I, I know they're praying because I've asked them to pray for certain things. I have a dear friend who, uh, who's not in church, grew up in church, and I'm looking for that opportunity to speak into his life. And um, I've asked them to pray for it. And I know that they're praying each week for the cares and concerns of this church and those things that are in our lives. Now, the other, one, the other example, and that's an example of two friends, is uh, Jason and Jana. Recently, I interviewed them for our Student Ministry Matters podcast, uh, talking about marriage and, and doing ministry together as a married couple. They've been missionaries to Colorado. Uh, before that, they served here in, North, in Arkansas and a variety of places. Um, and we were talking about prayer ways that you, you could help each other. And they shared about their prayer time at the end of the day. They pray together as a couple. I was like, wow, that's awesome. I want to be like that. But the way that they did this was so wonderful that I wanted to share it with you. They pray for the other person. Sometimes it can be confusing when you're praying as a couple, trying to figure out how do you sort that out. If you simply take those moments and you pray for that other person, it's going to help you grow closer as well as express those needs. Find someone to pray with. Again, it could be a friend, it could be a spouse, but prayer is important. Prayer is significant for many reasons, and perhaps one of the most important is that it shapes us when we pray. It changes us as much as anything else. While it may feel like it, it's a secret ingredient on the path towards success, it doesn't need to be a secret. Ultimately, we need to be a people of prayer. Spurgeon also said something about prayer. He said that a prayerful church is a powerful church. Not a complicated statement, is it? 
If we are a people who pray, God is going to imbue us with the power that we need to reach this community for Jesus Christ. He is going to work in miraculous ways along the way. I remember back in, gosh, it's been a few years now. In 2001, I was serving as local missionary for the BMA of the Ozarks. We were working to see um, Haven Baptist Church become a reality. Things changed within the local association. They didn't think they could afford to support me as a missionary anymore, and so they were withdrawing their support. And I thought, how are we going to do this? We weren't anywhere close to where we needed to be. When I originally came up, they said, it's probably going to take you five to seven years to establish yourself as a church. And I said, okay, because I initially said three to five. So here we are. We had started in April of 99, and this was essentially April of 2001, or actually a little bit before that, said, well, we just can't. So we started praying as a congregation, wondering, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? And God blessed in a way that I could not imagine. God sent money to us so that we were able to continue the work, continue to serve, and continue to love on people. Now, that church never established itself fully, and in 2007, we closed the doors on that. But in that process of the way God blessed us, we set up an endowed scholarship at Central Baptist College, we gave a scholarship money to the BMA seminary. We gave money to LifeWord. We gave money to our missions department. God allowed us to do a whole lot of things because we asked for him to work in a big way in those moments. Prayer is important. And a prayerful church is a powerful church. So let me ask you this. Will you make prayer a priority in your life for the sake of your families, for the sake of our church, for the cause of Christ in our world? Will you pray? Will you be a people of prayer? One of my favorite things about a previous church that we had was it was a prayer chain. Well, kind of an old-fashioned phone type thing where people would just, they'd pick it up and they would call when there was a prayer request. I didn't, at times I wondered, is this a gossip tree or is this a prayer chain? But it really was a prayer chain because prayer was important to these people. They loved people. They cared about them. And when they were facing hurts and pains and difficulties, they prayed for one another. That's my desire is that you are immediately, automatically, if you're involved in a life group, you are praying for those people in your life group. That should be without question. If you're involved in faithful men and faithful women, you should be praying for those that are in your group. That's, that's one of the reasons that you're there. Your Sunday school class is another way that you can connect with others, and you can be praying for them. All of those things come out. All of them are important as it develops an attitude of prayer. I'd love to see, now I'd have to be here awfully early because of the worship team being here at 8.30, but I'd love to see people gathering together here at the church before anything else happens, praying and asking for God's blessing here at Calvary. It's vital that we become a prayerful church, that that is who we are at our core. So let me encourage you. 
to pray today and every day for God to bless, and we will give him the praise for he is worthy of worship. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much. It is always so humbling to pray to you after we talk about prayer. But Father, I just ask in these moments that you be lifted high for you are worthy. Worthy. Father, I ask that you work in our hearts and help us to, to turn to you and turn away from those things that are um, making things difficult in our lives, the sin that's in there. God, we confess that to you and ask for your forgiveness. Father, our hearts are heavy with things, with friends that are hurting, with church members, with other difficulties, and we give them over to you. And Father, we just ask that you help us submit ourselves to your will, to yield ourselves to everything that you want. God, you are so worthy, and we praise you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Our heart's desire is that you grow and understand the direction God has for you in your life. We hope that by listening today, you are one step closer to discovering that for yourself. If you live in Northwest Arkansas and are looking for a church to call your own, we invite you to reach out to us at Calvary as we study and serve together. We meet for worship at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1410 North Porter Road in Fayetteville, Arkansas. If you wish to find out more information about Calvary Church or simply contact us, you can do that through our Facebook page or at calvaryfayetteville.com. Until next time, remember that God, His Word, and His people can provide direction for life.